I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome back to the Studiverse with me, Marco Sullivan, and Dr. Stuart Clark. And just a quick note to let you know that we are now a regular fortnightly podcast with extra little episodes thrown in when something big and exciting happens. Hello. It's Marco Sullivan and Stuart Clark. Dr. Stuart Clark is being all humble on the other <laughs> side of the table. Oh, me, this old thing. <laughs> We've had an amazing response. We've had lots of people kind of tweeting us. We've had some nice reviews on iTunes, and we're now with um, Acast as well. So you can find the podcast on SoundCloud or Acast or iTunes podcast. So... Thank you so much uh, if you've listened. Uh, thank you if you've shared. Thank you if you've um, written a review. All of those things are such a massive help to us to get get the word out about the podcast. If everyone listening to this mm. shares it, yes, right, is there an equation for for what that'll do for this podcast? Uh, there could be, I suppose. Go on, think of one. <laughs> think of one. Well, so we'd need to know the number of people who are sharing. Yeah. Um, what we're going to call the that? number? Well, probably n. N. N yeah. for number. Yeah. Um, and well, then Norman. what we want is to know the average number of friends that each one of those people have on their social media channels. Okay. Uh, we could call that number F for Facebook or, or friends. friends. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, and then I suppose we could have some sort of um, modifier for how many of their friends are likely to listen. Yeah, you've lost me. <laughs> you lost you lost me on modifier. Well, that's also some kind of fraction. Okay, no, yeah, I can do could, that. You could be fractions. Yeah, yeah. So those are and those those are the things we'd have to guess at. Yeah, you just multiply them all up, and okay. uh, then you get some number that means very little, but sort of gives gives you some sense of false comfort. So what I think you're saying is it's not really worth doing it. No, probably not. However, the people that do do it for real are the people that search for extraterrestrial intelligence. They have this equation called the, the Drake equation. So the kinds of things that they look for and put in this equation are the number of stars like the sun yeah. in the galaxy, the fraction of those stars that have planets around them, uh -huh. the fraction of those planets that are like the Earth, the fraction of those Earth-like planets where life develops, the fraction of those um, planets where life develops that evolve into intelligence and then the fraction of those that develop technology 
And finally, they, they have the, the lifetime of a communicating civilization. So how long will a, a civilization that has the power to broadcast radio into space typically last for? Uh, and when you multiply all of those up, you, you get a figure for the number of uh, extraterrestrial civilizations in the galaxy at any one time. So these people doing this Drake equation and all these fractions, do they, um, they get out much? Or <laughs> Hello, how are you? It's Dr. Stu on Skype. It's a kind of a zombified Dr. Stu on Skype, actually. You're in a, an airport lounge, is that right? I am. I'm in the American Airlines lounge in Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. So <sighs> where have you been? What have you been doing? Uh, so I've, uh, for the last week, I've been in Guadalajara in Mexico as a guest of the British Council. They invited me and some other astronomers and physicists to come to the big international book fair uh, that they have there to spend the week um, talking about science, discussing the role of science in culture and society, and discussing what science can learn from literature and what literature can learn from science. And it's just just been an all-round sort of fabulous experience, really. Do you mind me saying you look lived in? I do look lived in. Like a comfortable <laughs> slipper or an easy trouser for the evenings. Easy trouser? Yeah, don't you have easy trousers? I've never heard that phrase before. Oh, Stu, you've never lived if you don't have easy trousers. Well, I didn't have any trousers, actually, at the beginning of this trip because they lost my baggage. Oh, no. What did you do? The British Council took me shopping. That's where my taxes are going. Into my pants, yeah. There have been some uh, new spacecraft shooting up into the There has. Sky. So, yes. Uh, one Actually, that... you probably don't say that, do you? What do you say? They're going into orbit? Yeah, I tell you what, the weirdest bit of um, engineering jargon yeah. that I still can't fully get my head around is, is the engineers don't say in orbit, they say on orbit. Well, that's ridiculous. As if they've placed it on a shelf. So we're on orbit. Well, we're not because we're on the Earth. Yeah. They're like, you know... Idiot. Uh, <laughs> tell me about some of the things that have been shooting up into the sky. Yeah, Lisa Pathfinder. This is the really exciting one. Interesting surname. Doreen and Mike Pathfinder and their daughter Lisa. Doreen and Mike. Doreen and Mike. So Lisa Pathfinder is... Um, what it's going to do is just take two blocks of metal, gold and platinum, into space and then just let them go. And it's going to watch how they move because the only thing that will be affecting them is gravity. And this is the first time an experiment like this has been done in space at this level of precision. The blocks themselves are 38 centimetres apart. It will be able to notice them moving to the most incredible precision. So the kind of precision that Lisa Pathfinder will be able to measure the movement between these two blocks Mm. uh, is the equivalent of taking a strand of your hair and cutting it into 50 million equal pieces lengthwise. It's a minuscule, minuscule um, distance that it can measure, about a picometer. And that gets us into the realm where we can test gravity in ways that we've never been able to test it before. 
I mean, don't we know how gravity works? We think we know how gravity works. The, the work of Newton first and then Einstein. Yeah. But there are all sorts of little strange observations in the universe, little movements that we can't fully explain, which may be because we don't quite yet understand gravity, how it works on scales that we have not yet been able to test. So that's big news then? I think it's absolutely massive news. I mean, I genuinely think that if Lisa Pathfinder works correctly, then it puts us on the cusp of a revolution. We can, like, reality check a lot of the things that we think we know about the universe. Mm. So when are we going to know things from this? In the next year or so. It launched on the day I was travelling to Mexico, and I connected um, at Dallas Mm -hmm. and was in the air, and the, the launch site was off to my left. It was in French Guyana at Kourou. One of the people that built the laser assembly um, at the University of Glasgow, uh, we'd been emailing and he'd said, oh, don't forget, if you're in the air at that time, you sit on the left-hand side of the plane and and look out the window. Mm -hmm. And uh, we knew exactly when this spacecraft was going to launch. The launch window itself was extremely short, about a second. So they either had to press the button or not. Anyway, the time came for the launch. And I, looking, eyes completely peeled. It was all dark in the cabin in the in the aircraft anyway. So I had an absolutely great view. And I saw absolutely nothing. Is there any chance uh, the flight went the other way around? What, we, we reversed all the way to Mexico, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> all went the other way around. You can go both ways, you know. I've heard... <laughs> You know what this week is, don't you? <laughs> How excited are you? Oh, off the scale. I know we spoke about it in, in our first episode, but um, just it would be wrong not to mention it again now, wouldn't it? Oh, I suppose, yeah, wouldn't uh, wouldn't it? So so I've had to stop watching um, the all, all the new sort of Star Wars trailers and footage because I, it is it's physically impossible for me to get any more excited than I am now. So I've just I've just had to stop. It's just. <laughs> I just, I now just, yeah, I'll now just bide my time and just wait for it to happen. What would success look like for you from this new film? All the things that you usually look like in, uh, in, in films, really. You know, good plot, good characters, quite a lot of hand solo, you know, that kind of stuff. On his mobility scooter. <laughs> But at least his mobility scooter would hover. So we'll uh, we'll check back in with you, see see how you feel after the event. Absolutely, you can compare notes with Oscar. I, yeah, I shall. I'll be seeing it on the midnight showing. On the, I'll tell you what. Will I'll, you? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a call straight afterwards if you want. Maybe don't. <laughs> Text me. I'll get back to you in the morning. Yeah. Maybe what we should do is get you and Oscar together to do a quick review of it. That would be brilliant. I've got another friend who's um, who I've got to text, you know, one word answer to about whether he should go and see it or not. He's reluctant to commit because he's been hurt before. Were you hurt by the prequels? Grievously. That's one of the worst things that's happened in my life. You're not lying, are you? No. No. <laughs> What was it about them? Like, apart from the fact they were shockingly bad, struggling to find an example because it was all just so awful. I, th- I tell you where it started to go wrong for me. Uh, can... Opening credits? Yes. 
The first sentence didn't even make sense. I can't believe you care this much about it. <laughs> even to this day, I still don't really know what's going on in those prequel films. I can't follow the plots. Do you know what film I haven't been able to go and see because of the terrible dialogue? Go on. Spectre. <laughs> Go on, the, do, do in your the, impression. Do in your the impression. trailer. Go on. In the trailer, when what's his name says, "I'm the author of all your pain, James." <laughs> Jesus, come on! <laughs> the worst line I think I've ever heard in anything. <sighs> I'm the author of terrible dialogue, James. <laughs> I hope it's not anyone I know. It's going to be really embarrassing. Then. <laughs> right, quick question from Oscar. Can the Death Star actually be built in space? Well, I don't see why not. I mean, it would be difficult to build it from scratch, but then, you know, why not? Yeah. If you had a kit. Yeah, if you, yeah. Or it came with a fortnightly magazine. Yeah, like, that is a, that is a big airfix, actually. That's a, that's a huge subscription to a, to a part work, isn't yeah. it? Have you seen the size of the newsagents? <laughs> One of the other astronomers that I was in Mexico with, he's done this calculation about how much matter they, the Death Star would have to turn into energy to destroy Alderaan. Is he busy? <laughs> Got a lot on at the moment. <laughs> he, he was on the same long flight that I was on. And what did he... What? I think it is feasible. It's right. not, it is not beyond the realms of possibility that that, that could happen. I can't remember. I wasn't paying too much attention, to be honest. Um, but... Liar. <laughs> Look at you. You're consumed by it. I can tell by your face. You've thought of nothing else since you got me. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Back. Hey, Stu. This proved popular. It's time for the big fat galactic liar quiz. <laughs> oh, I'm all ready for you. So you, you've had much longer than you had last time to um, to arrange your uh, your facts. And uh, just to remind you, if you haven't heard the the first episode, Stu is going to tell me three space facts, and um, one of them will be a lie. And the other two will be true. I didn't do that well last time, did I? Not massively. No, I did. I, I got one. Correct. The reasoning was good. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, it's Thank just. You for it that. was. Yeah, but it, I mean, it was just wrong. Mm. Here we go. Okay, big fat galactic liar. Fact number one: the planet Saturn would float in water. Obviously, if you could find a bathtub big enough. Yeah, it wouldn't be my bathtub. Okay, big fat galactic liar. Fact number two. Most of the Earth's oxygen is not in the atmosphere. It, when you say most, what are we talking about? You know, like over 50% most. You're a bit minty today. It must be the jet lag. <laughs> yeah, I'm quite jet lagged. <laughs> it's short with me. <laughs> it's okay. Okay, and big fat galactic liar. Fact number three. No one actually knows what the far side of the moon looks like. Right. Now, full disclosure here. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and I listen to some other kind of science-y, spacey podcasts. Oh, that's cheating. Well, is it? I, I think I, I'm going to call it research. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> call it what you want. I'm calling it research. So, I think... We do now know what the far side of the moon looks like because I think we've taken photos of it, I think. So I'm going to say number three is false. I think Saturn floating in water is true. I have no idea why, unless it's inflatable. I think most of the oxygen on planet Earth not being present in the atmosphere is true because I think oxygen is all over the shop. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Did you write that down in your in your physics GCSE? Oxygen's all over the shop. <laughs> 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 and it, well, it is literally all over the shop, every shop. That's I think it's true. everywhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah not, that's good. Not just shops. No. The far side of the moon, us never having seen it, is false. Go on. Oh, yes, you're right. Did I get it right? Yes. Oh. Oh. Wow. <laughs> wow. Right, now, so I listened to this thing. Now, I might be saying this wrong, that said that, um, wasn't there something about taking photos of it the russians taking photos of it is this true they took photos all, all secretly yeah so the, yeah that's absolutely right the russians did the russians were the first uh country to uh send a spacecraft around the far side of the moon 
and it took pictures and it took pictures on photographic film. It, it automatically developed the film and then it scanned the film and digitized the, the, the images and, and sent them back. It's like the first fax machine. That's it. The, the protocol to encode the image information was, was fax protocol. Right. And what the Russians did was to let Jodrell Bank know that these uh, images were coming and so they went to, I think it was the Manchester Evening Echo, and like took the fax machine out of the, uh, out from the the paper, took it back to Jodrell Bank, hooked it up to the to the antennas there, and just faxed down these pictures of the far side of the moon. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? Isn't this it? is what is this during the sixties? Yeah, isn't this? I mean, it's just a fantastic story, isn't it? So early and, early sixties, and the fact that they were able to send this thing up. It took pictures, developed them itself, like a little mini floating boots. Yeah. <laughs> and then faxed them over. Crazy. How big was this this thing that did this? Oh, um, no, no bigger than a small car. Really? Yeah, because because they couldn't launch that much because the, the the rockets were quite limited at the time, and of course, going to the moon requires a lot of energy. Yeah. Oxygen. Oxygen. Where it, I said it's all over the shop. Is it all over the shop? Yeah, but most of it is in the rocks. Really? Yeah. What's it doing in there? It's highly reactive, oxygen. Yeah. And so it will bind to anything it really can. It's not that comfortable being in the atmosphere. If there weren't plants on the Earth putting it constantly in the atmosphere, it would all bind up with the rocks and just be gone from the atmosphere. That means, of course, that it's one of the things that you can look for on other planets and other worlds to see if there's life around. Right. Oxygen is fantastically energy rich. And so is one idea is that when life on Earth started to metabolise oxygen, that's what gave it the energy to build multicellular and highly complex organisms, just having that amount of energy available. So that's one idea. But of course, until we actually find life elsewhere, we've got no idea really. Why would Saturn float in water? <laughs> so this is this is one of those kind of like space facts that come yeah. that, that 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 comes up. It's it's slightly nonsensical, really. So Saturn itself has um, an iron uh, and rocky core. Um, we think, and probably quite a large one comparatively because it's going to be about uh, three times the mass of the Earth, maybe a bit more. Mm. But then most of its bulk is just gases. And so that drops the density down to well below water. Even if you put an egg in a thing of water... If oh, floats, if it floats, it's it, yeah. Don't which which it. one? Don't eat that egg. Oh, that's the, that. Ah, so if it floats, don't eat it. Yeah. Right? Couldn't you just crack it open? Yeah, I suppose. Thanks, Nigella. <laughs> Right, so it's Tuesday the 15th of December and uh, it's three o'clock and I'm about to Skype Dr Stu who will tell us where he is and what's going on. 
Hello, how are you? Dr. Stu, I'm good, I'm good. Where are you? Uh, I'm sitting uh, I'm, I'm sitting in one of the lobbies at The Guardian at the moment. We've got all sorts of chairs in here that make it look like a 1970s science fiction movie. Are you plotting some awful um, awful scheme? I'm, I, I tell you what, I'm just plotting to get through to the end of today with some energy intact. It's been um, it's been pretty full on. So what, what is special about today, Stu? Today is the launch of Tim Peake, the British astronaut to the International Space station the launch itself was at 11 uh, a.m this morning uh, but uh, for, for reasons that i don't know some sort of kind of vague sort of over ambition or enthusiasm we all agreed to get in at half past seven this morning <laughs> just in case he set off early yeah, yeah. well everything's so, yeah. hacked i'm ready to go so you know what well, then we might as well head off now. It's been very good. I've been running the live blog, so we just everything that's been happening and all the tweets and all the um, news as it's been coming out. We've just and trying to make sense of just what's happening at each moment in yeah. uh, in the launch and things as well. So anyway, we're just getting ready for. Um, docking in a couple of hours so it's all gone to plan everything has gone exactly to plan and just before i i, I nipped out to talk to you um we just had confirmation that they've they've reached the final orbit so they're now in the same orbit as the international space station and now it's down to um just they, they have to creep very very close to it you know they can't possibly risk a collision no. so everything is done automated with radars um and it takes a, a you know real slow um sort of approach two hours or so and then they'll take the final decision about whether to go for docking today so there's a chance it might not happen there is still a chance it might not but i think the fact that they are that they're in the final orbit now and that they're starting to the approach i'm feeling good about it i'm feeling good about it excellent and the guy who's up there tim peak not to be confused with twin peaks <laughs> He, he's up there. He was. Um, he went into the army straight after school and became a pilot in the army. Um, and then when he retired on in um, 2009, was just at the time when ESA was uh, the European Space Agency was looking for um, British astronauts. Uh, applied and got the job. Brilliant. I hope the rest of the day goes well. I hope hope he yeah. gets all docked okay. So far, everything is looking very good. It's one of those really positive news days. Excellent. And 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 here we are capturing it for the podcast. Cast. Absolutely. Capturing it live as it happens, well, as it happened several hours ago. <laughs> Can I say ho, ho, ho? <laughs> what does it sound like uh, when an astrophysicist says ho, ho, ho? Uh, it doesn't really sound like much. They sort of, you Go know, on, do it. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Pretty measured. <laughs> um, Lovely. Very nice. Um, they, they'd probably write it H-O cubed. Of course they would. Just saying. If Santa could bring you any gift this mm. year, mm. what would be your ultimate kind of spacey style gift? And it might be a, a physical thing or it might be a discovery or a... I would have uh, the discovery of the theory that lies beyond Einstein's general relativity. Which is? Well, we generically, it just gets called quantum gravity. And quantum gravity is how gravity works on the very shortest, smallest scales. So this would be the theory um, that explains what black holes 
truly are and would also explain what happened at the moment of the Big Bang. So we could answer the questions like what happens before the Big Bang and things like that. It, that's the, you know, that's the, the, the cliched holy grail of fundamental physics at the moment. Well, I, I just hope you've been a good enough boy this year to uh, <laughs> to warrant such a gift. We'll find out on December the 25th, won't we? Won't we? Mm-hmm. Will there be tears or I think we celebratory bo- smiles? I think we both know the answer to that. Yeah, <laughs> I think we do. So there we go, another universe. Another one bites the dust. <laughs> well, I enjoyed that. I'm learning a, lo- a lot, you know. Yes, yeah, so am I. I'm worried I'm going to have to start kicking out other information I've held in my brain for a while to make room. What, are you full? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like... It's like, like your stomach on Christmas afternoon. Yeah. Your, your brain is now full. I couldn't, I couldn't touch another piece of knowledge. No, please, please. Oh, God, I feel bilious. <laughs> um, so, look, remember, you can you can send us questions, you can tweet us, um, or, or you can email us, uh, which is space at bingofilms.co.uk. Or you can tweet us at I'm Marco Sullivan or... At Dr. Stu Clark, that's DR. Anyway, that's us. See you next time. See you next time. Bye. The Stuniverse is a Bingo Productions podcast produced by me, Marco Sullivan. Artwork by The Scribbler. Go to thescribbler.co.uk to check out his brilliant work.